the Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook, talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them. So welcome to the Instructor Podcast, and you are listening to the Green Room Edition, and it's a very special edition of the Instructor Podcast, because it's number 50. All the episodes we've done, we've done, uh, this is the 50th one, and I felt that it was particularly relevant to get Chris Benstead back on. How are you doing, Chris? I'm wishing I brought a party popper. Uh, he needed a moment for the 50, but yeah, I'm doing well. It's all good. Excited well, to be here. We'll just use that sound effect. Let's go with that. It's all good. Um, today, uh, we were having a little bit of a chat before and uh, chat, you know, sort of discuss what, or discussing what we were going to discuss. And I like the idea you came up with. And I've kind of phrased it as discovering the industry and how we engage within it. And I'm going to throw, in fact, just before I throw over to you, actually, I'm just going to mention for anyone listening, normally these green rooms are split into two sections. So you get one half in the public feed and one half in the private feed. But this one is going all out to the public because it is more than likely going to be my last green room of season two. So I'm throwing it all out to you guys uh, as we get industry specific. So, Chris, what do we mean by discovering the industry? I think. We often focus. We have we have a habit of focusing on pupils and and the customer, and even then you you forget that sometimes you've got more than one customer. If you've got parents involved, if you're dealing with seventeen year olds, and we we then focus on seventeen year olds. And I, I know you're a perfect example of someone who has older pupils um, as, as kind of your bread and butter. And you know we have that focus there we're very pupil-centered pupil-centric and there's a whole industry out there that we're not good at engaging with um and there's it's it's a two-way street you know they want to work with us and we can benefit from working with them so it is across the board from insurance companies to website designers um from you know the legal side of things, dealing with contracts and and dealing dealing with driving law, um, through to the associations, which I think often get a raw deal because it's almost as if you know they're all all of those people are trying to feed from us. We're very nervous of strangers, and I think that you know by looking outward. We're, we're all really good at looking inwards. We look in towards the DVSA looking for guidance and answers instead of going, do you know what? They're minimum standards. That's their job. We're maximum standards. Let's look at that. The same thing with you know, our job being teaching a, a an, an individual to drive when there's other stuff out there. And you know, I, seeing as you're here, um, things like being able to do the podcasting and engage with other other people outside brings so much in. I know you've you've benefited from that, um, and then other people that are going out and maybe doing fleet work and working with companies that that then leads on to other things. There's so many opportunities. We're just rubbish as an industry of having um, the contacts. And, and joining the dots up and having a network, a genuine network, a wide um, supportive network, we're very insular. So it, it's moving outside of that and, and looking at the opportunities that are that are available to us. I need to be a bit careful because I'm someone that's very much, yeah, everything you said there, let's do all of that. And I think I'm guilty of forgetting that not everyone wants that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, if you're someone that wants to 
literally just just teach people to drive and it's happy just to, to sort of that that's your own thing and that's all you want to do i don't think there's an issue with that but i don't necessarily know that that's the the big thing i think there's a lot of people that are scared to to interact and that are um reluctant and shy or, or whatever the phrase are but also i think the the example that springs to mind for me straight away was I've seen a few posts recently talking on, on, on Facebook talking about the different apps that are able, the diary management apps. So I've been pretty open and let people know that I use GoRoady. Um, that's my preference at the minute. It doesn't mean it still will be in six months, but at the minute it is. But I've seen a few posts where people are saying, oh, I use this one or whatever. It tends to sort of break down into a bit of a headbutting session, you know, mm-hmm. over which one's best. And I just think... I. I always take a step back and I mean, you've got your big three, I suppose, which is, is it Total Drive, Go Roadie, and My Drive Time? Yeah. I think there's a couple of others on fringes, but they're kind of the big three. Then you've got the paper diary ones as well. And it's like, I just think it's great that we've got three yeah. to, to choose from. And where you can just, even if it's just purely preference, so even if they did all, all did exactly the same thing, but you preferred one's colour, well, go with that one because guess what? You get to look at your favorite color when you open it, or, or what you know the layout, or the one little feature that they do, or whatever. And that's a really good example that the because we talk about them as a diary system, but actually that then opens up another door. So people look for a diary solution. You've well, two doors. You've got pupil management, actually the progress and how the pupil's getting on, and then you've got finance. And your incomings and outgoings being recorded in the same way. So just through those three companies, you've got uh, you know two other doors opening up. And I think you make a really good point about some. It's not for everybody. Actually, it therefore is because you can find someone to do that work for you, so you can focus on just teaching people to drive. So um, you know if you are if you are not inclined to go out and and engage with other op- opportunities um you, you're quite happy doing what you do then find ways that you can get get the paperwork done for you you know that you, that you can get the the advertising done for you so you can do that focusing and and it's great you don't have to be a techie it's not about tech solutions all the time because paper diaries are perfectly fine um but we're being pushed towards tech solutions because of making tax digital and everything else. So find the people that can do it for you and then you don't have to do it yourself. Yeah. And from speaking to some of the different, you know, people out there, they're not usually even in competition with each other. You know, I'm sure Daniel Hill won't mind me saying this. Or I hope he doesn't say it anyway. Um, he says if 30,000 ADIs all downloaded apps and they got 10,000 of them, he'd be happy with that. You know, it doesn't matter where the others go. You know, it's it's you've got a choice, and I think, like I said, that's a it's a good example because you've got. I mean, there's others in the past. There's probably others out there now that I've forgotten, but you've got those those free, and you can pick what you want, or you can pick to use a paper diary and just do what's right for you. But what we don't need to do is fall into an argument about it and fall into a you know this one's better because and don't you dare say different. And 
And, you know, I think that's the same for everything. I've said this before, but how privileged are we that we've got sort of free plus podcasts we can listen to? Got all these different insurance companies. There's some you'll like, there'll be some you don't. You've got different associations. Admittedly, there's only one signposting platform to the to the industry. But, you know, you never know. Three months' time, there might be four of them. You know, you've, but we've got just this Brilliant. choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no one getting any ideas. Um, <laughs> you've got just this, this choice. I mean, even if you break it down to Facebook groups, you know, how many Facebook groups are there to choose from? I, I think I've said this before on the show that I, I went through like a little path, if you like, of complaining about Facebook groups of, oh, you know, this one's shit. Then I thought, why am I bothered about it? I just come out of them and don't use them. I'll go and pick the ones that I think I can use that are the most relevant to me. And, and even Facebook groups are, uh, are relevant to our industry. You know, that's where you can go and get free information. A lot of the time you get free opinions as well. <laughs> well, more than free. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, yeah, you get you get this, this just a wealth of information and opinions that is available through that. And I think that you're right. I think that we're reluctant to use it sometimes or overly critical because someone comes out and says, here, I've got this idea. Let, let's try this. And I think we're overly critical or quick to make assumptions on that. Facebook's another example of how we are insular because most other industries are bigger engaging on LinkedIn. Um, you know, there's still some that are using Twitter and, and other sources. Um, we're very much Facebook based, and uh, even the other the other day, um, you know, some someone criticised Carly Brookfield because she's not on Facebook. You know, how can you be a part of the driving instructor industry and represent well, it's just facebook she's got an email address she's got a mobile phone give her a buzz she 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 will happily answer and um you know and and will represent people and and help people just because you're not on facebook that doesn't mean that you've shut yourself off from the world and i think it's that same thing that you know it even comes down to if, if someone mentions uh, um a, a wing mirror on the car you, you get the you know you they almost get shut out of things because you know you you're not using the proper words um, or someone refers to the, the the three point turn and there's this sucking in of, of breath and it happens in all industries language is so important but we should be open to other opportunities because actually we are a conduit we are not um, the producer and we're not the end product. We we are in there um, as 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 a way to you know as, as a way to get to the solution. So therefore, we can be a sales force for so many other areas. We can engage with and benefit from, or we can make use of. And just because it costs money doesn't make it bad, which I think is is really important that we need to remember. You've just got to decide whether it's worth it for you. Um, and you know if if it is brilliant engaged there's so much out there i think social media is probably a good example as well of what you're saying because you look at facebook there's probably and again i'm guessing there's probably at least half the industry on facebook in terms of being different groups and whatnot um and actively involved in it you know potentially whereas you look at linkedin you looked at twitter your instagram there's not half the industry on there i wouldn't like to guess the percentage but it's minimal and I think that's largely representative of, I'm going to say our generation, potentially. I realise that there's a whole, you know, massive variety of ages within the ADI profession, but, you know, the kids aren't on Facebook. 
you know, and, and yes, when I say that, I appreciate some people are like, well, I got seven students from Facebook last year. Yes, you will do. But generally speaking, the kids are on Facebook, the kids are on TikTok and on uh, what's your one Snapchat. They're the two big ones. Even on Instagram, you, you know, they've moved away from there now. Yes, you can still find them. Yes, I still get custom through there, but they've moved away from Instagram. People promoting to students on Instagram, generally promoting to the wrong audience. Same with Twitter, same with LinkedIn. And I think, and I could be wrong, but I think that's why a lot of ADIs gravitate towards sort of Facebook because that's where we are. You know, it's you know, that's not where the kids are. That's where our ilk is. So I think that um I think that we could broaden out there. Like you mentioned LinkedIn. We should be over there more. I'm over there, but the only thing I do over there is <laughs> promote the podcast. You know, and, and there's a whole host of reasons for that. But that's something I'll be looking to get in more. Same with someone could take Twitter by the scruff of its neck tomorrow as an instructor and as an instructor dominate that. I've said this before, you could do if you approach Twitter right, one instructor actually went and engaged with other instructors on there on their comments, actually retweeted some stuff, made your right list, promoted other instructors, and gave out quality information, not just do what I do, which is promote the podcast. Actually, did those five things, you could dominate Twitter. It's interesting because I, I got into the industry on Twitter. Um, that was how I discovered the stuff I hadn't been taught. Uh, I came through National Driving School and, and you know, had the training through National Driving School, which was fine. Um, and, and you know, I got, got to my goal. But I rapidly found a really good community on Twitter. And I think I was lucky because I don't think they were there for long. Um, and... It was the chat that you get on Facebook now, but it was before Facebook had groups. Yeah. Um, and and I, I I was lucky. I'm, I always say I, I met uh, Lynn Webb, who is a, a local instructor who, uh, you know, I, I always turn to if I've got an issue because she's she sees it a different way to everyone else. And that one engagement and then discovering the com- community connected with that opened up so many other opportunities to me um, that, you know, I, I discovered other things, the bits of the industry that I didn't, wouldn't have known about. They're not, they weren't on the test center wall. Um, and we've had that in part taken away from us now, but they weren't on the test center wall and they weren't in the, um, you know, the, the magazine that you got if you were an association member. Um, so you had to go and find them. Uh, and, it's about finding those opportunities to engage and, and being open to it. And that's the, the biggest thing for me. I've always got this image in my head. Um, and to begin with, it was a DVSA in the middle and instructors looking inwards at the DVSA. And I wanted the instructors to turn around and look outwards. And in the same way with this, and I think more so now, um, it's about not just, don't just focus on your pupil and your, and your customers. Look outwards because we complain about the problems we can help address those by addressing parents, parents to be, um, schools, communities, and becoming a, a community member. You can actually influence those things that we then end up dealing with the problems further along and get yeah. there, getting there earlier. Just just before I touch on that, quick Twitter story for you, because I'm not good on Twitter because I'm not great. <laughs> Anyone listening to the podcast will completely understand what I'm about to say. I'm not great in uh, saying things in 240 characters or less. <laughs> I'm not great at that. So there was a, a cycling um, 
Twitter <laughs> that I follow, and uh, it put this tweet up, and I, I, I responded, and I responded attempting to agree what he was saying, but trying to broaden the, the comment a little bit. And I, within like five minutes of replying, I'd got four or five people that would come on and genuinely give me some abuse over it. And I took a step back and I looked at it and I thought, I have actually misinterpreted slightly what they were saying. And I've also not really worded what I was saying very well, largely because of what I just said. I can't do it in, in short bursts. Yeah. And I thought about it for a bit. I thought, how to respond to this? I should really just walk away, but I don't just want to walk away. I feel like I want to fix it. So I went back and I apologized. And I think three of the chaps I apologized to accepted the apology, kind of apologized in return for presuming I was meaning it a certain way. And we had a nice little discussion about it. And it were like, has this ever happened before on social media where someone said something, caused a reaction, apologised for it, then someone else has apologised, this is crazy. We don't see that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's my Twitter story. But, but, yeah, I completely get what you're saying. I think that I used to be like that. It was I would um, look to the DVSA for my guidance and then I'd look to my students to 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 dish out that guidance, if you like. Yeah. And I... I think that there's a, you know, maybe this isn't necessarily what I mean, but I think there's a whole, not just within our industry, but outside the industry as well that it can reach. To, I think that we don't need to be so insulated. We don't need to be scared of making change. We don't We don't need to worry about, you know, people promoting pseudoscience and, and uh, snake oil salesmen and that ilk. You know, if someone wants to go and sell a coaching course, well, guess what? They're entitled to sell a coaching course. And as a, a potential customer, you're entitled to contact that person and say, what reviews have you got on this course? What what is it accredited? Where can it be accredited? What what backup have you got? Can you tell me more about it? You're entitled to ask about that. You're more than entitled to ask. And and you should ask before you tell everyone it's rubbish, which would be really really good because so often it it's you know it, sometimes because of who it is um, and then the person who it is starts being defensive before they've they need to be and and then you end up in in that you you're so um you know caught you're a coiled spring and and the second someone tries to sell you something it's not always selling but they try to sell you something um you instantly come back with, you know, you must be trying to rip me off. You, there, there's you know, something. And uh, my 11-year-old was talking about, uh, we were listening to, to someone someone talking and uh, he said, sounds like a con. It's a scam. And I said, why? He said, because they're talking in a like it's a sales pitch. And I think it, it was just this morning and I've been thinking about it today and we've moved away from the the sales pitch from that way of talking and we've moved towards being more honest and, and open saying right this is this is what it is and this is why and you would then make your choice i don't think the driving instructor industry has i think we're still caught up because of the way that uh training it to become an instructor sold and we've all got our own stories about about that good bad and ugly um that we we still have that you know well the whole industry is the wild west and and it hasn't got to be so ask the questions because if it's good you give them an opportunity to sell it in a in a soft sales way um and if it isn't 
and it hasn't been noted before, maybe you do people a favour. But it's okay to ask the question. I think, yeah, you make some good points. And I think it's, we don't need stuff. So like, I, and I, I'm sure there's people that listen to this will shoot me down for what I'm about to say, but no one needs a coaching course. No one needs a course to show them how to coach. That doesn't mean it's not a good thing. That doesn't mean it wouldn't benefit you. doesn't mean that by doing it, you won't improve. It's just not necessarily necessary. And I think that that's the thing. People see it because it's not necessary. You shouldn't do it. And I tend to be quite honest on this podcast and, uh, you know, and use myself as an example, not always as a good example, but I think I can use myself as um as a good example, not necessarily the good example. Um, I think I've got that right way around. <laughs> I, I, I always think you use yourself as a dipstick. I'll leave that there. But um, a, a barometer is probably a better <laughs> A dipstick. Um, but, yeah, I invested in myself heavily back in 2019, and I say invest in myself because I did. Um, and I'm talking thousands, um, and that's not sort of – you read into that comment what you will, anyone listening, but I did. I invested in myself uh, in, in uh, by going with, I think, four different people to help me get over some of the stuff I was dealing with. Annoyingly, then in 2020, I didn't work for nine months, but, you know, whatever. But without investing in myself then, I wouldn't be doing a podcast now. That doesn't mean I wouldn't do one in 10 years, because if I just worked by myself or read some books, then in 10 years' time, that I might have got to this same stage. But I don't need to wait 10 years. I can invest in myself then. And it probably took me, because I'd have been 36, 37 about that time, it probably took me that long to get to a point where I can go, do you know what, I can invest in myself. I'm allowed. You know, I'm my own biggest asset. Yes. So this should be invested in. And some of it was physical health, some of it was mental health, some of it was sort of personal and, and business development. And I, I think that that has completely changed me as a person. Not everyone needs that. Some people are in different stages, but it can be, still be beneficial. It still can be massively beneficial. I think that there's a difference between need and benefit. And just because you don't need it doesn't mean it won't benefit you or won't benefit anyone else. Yes. And and then what you do with that as well, is it? I I I've been on courses where I've done them just to go on the course, and it's not something I will necessarily go and use. But I've I've enjoyed having the information, having the knowledge, and you never know when that comes into fruition later in in life, you know, along the journey. I've been on other things where I've gone because I need the bit of paper. And and actually, I've already got all of those things. But you know, someone wants me to have that certificate. You know, there's a benefit to having that. Um, it's it's being open every time to where's it going to take you next? What's the point of it? And 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 I think you're right. I I learned that it was okay to invest in myself, and I didn't need it. Didn't need to be cause and effect. It could be because, you know, possibly I needed it, um, but it could be that I just wanted it and, and I thought that would be interesting. Um, and my, my biggest one was I stuck a pin in a book once and became a clinical hypnotherapist um, because I enjoyed learning and I discovered learning. So I just went, I'll do a course. There's a course. 
Um, enough. It sounded interesting. Uh, well, yeah. I think there's a worry there from people because I, I know that I used to have this, and I sometimes assume that if I feel this way with people as well. But there's a worry that you'll invest in something and then it'll turn out to be crap. And I think it depends what how you look at stuff because I could go on a course tomorrow, a, a days long course on summer, and it could be the world's worst course ever run. I can still come away with stuff from it. You know, I could. There's going to be other people there. So I can still network. I can still meet new people. I could still I could meet my potential next business partner on that course tomorrow. I could um, learn how not to present a course by watching someone else play that way. I can just have a nice day out. You know, if I travel somewhere to go this course, I don't have to come straight home and go anywhere. It can just, you know, you might not necessarily get that complete value for money you're after. You may not necessarily get the thing you're after, but you can still learn from it. And in fact, I did, admittedly it was an online course, but I did one on, on creating courses. And I really hope the guy listening, but it, it was shit. But that's more because it didn't meet my expectations. Yes. Well, guess what? I'll learn from it. Next time I start looking at courses like that, I'll do a lot more digging before I sign up to it. So I've still learned from it. And it might motivate you to to do your own. Yeah, as you said, you learn how not to. Well, brilliant. When you then deliver it, and, and obviously we do when it's one-to-one with someone anyway, we're delivering courses, aren't we? We're delivering a, a set of training that you, you can take that through. And I can think, interestingly, possibly the worst courses that I've been on are the ones that I've taken the most from to, to benefit other people when I've been delivering information or you know looking at well that that doesn't doesn't work uh, really interesting course which could have been amazing by the one of the guys that's worked with uh, Darren Brown and it was about using uh, using magic in engaging with young people. And I, I was looking at, you know, is that something I can do? And I used to do a bit of magic in the car and things. And, you know, um, the course was shocking. Um, but the, the content was 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 there still. Um, I think if we look closer to home, looking at the need, the needing it and doing it to see what you can get from it, that balance, go and sit in someone else's car. Start with that, because we think that we're good at our job. We think that we're, you know, we're, we're capable and we don't need anything, but you don't know what you don't know. I, I thought I used to be really good at theory training. I'd sit in McDonald's and I'd go over the theory questions since specialising. And, you know, that, that is my, my, my day job now is, is doing theory one-to-one. Um, the, the, the whiteboard behind me um, is full of stuff that I didn't know uh, and I should have and and you know I'm now looking at trying to how do I pass that information on so other people don't have to go through the pain um, of literally banging my head against the computer screen saying why don't you understand that question um, so go out and, and just next time you're, you're talking to an instructor say can I come and see a lesson and you will find something from it it might be something that you go oh, I wouldn't do that um, but equally, it could be just a phrase, just an idea, um, and start from there. And then opening that door hopefully opens to others. And then, you know, it, 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 you discover something and you, you find you're better yourself and the world around you. And that's, that's got to be a good thing.
Speaking of discovering stuff and bettering the world around you, you are listening to the Instructor Podcast Green Room Edition, where every week we aim to um, let you discover new things and better yourself by listening to the podcast. And as always on the Green Room, we're talking industry-specific stuff. And this week, we are giving you the treat of giving you a full episode to the public. You don't even have to pay for it. Um, So we're going to take a moment just at the table. Obviously, I am your... Uh, esteemed host Terry Cook of the Instructor Podcast. I'm stumbling there with my words. I'm getting mixed up with pod- which podcast I'm actually doing at the moment. But, um, but yes, I'm your esteemed host Terry Cook of the Instructor Podcast. And um, yeah, I just want to take a moment to first of all say uh, thank you for listening. This is episode 50. Anyone that's listened to an episode and gave me any feedback, um, including positive, negative, and especially constructive, really appreciate that. But what I would like you to do for me, I would like you to go and head over to the instructorpodcast.com. That's a new website. It's up and running. It's still having additional stuff built into it all the time, but the instructorpodcast.com. And what I'd like you to do first and foremost is head over to the feedback section. Now, over there, there's four polls. I'd love you to take a moment to answer because that's going to help me shape up the podcast going forward. Let me know what you actually like and want going forward. What I'd also like you to do is whilst you're over there, click on premium. Now, over there, you'll find a host of the content that we're currently putting on. So the premium subscription, which which is £10 a month. Um, and one of the latest additions was Bob Morton, who has kindly given us uh, an Instructor Podcast exclusive, which if you sign up to Instructor Podcast Premium, he will give you a £10 discount on his client-centered learning subscription. So by signing up to Instructor Podcast and then going to Bob, you're ex- ex- exceptionally that's the wrong word, um, effectively getting the Instructor Podcast Premium for free, which is uh, a nice little treat for you. Uh, also over there, we've got two TES Talks up there now. We've got uh, the wonderful Annie Gendron, who was on a course on how to create courses. And we have Mark Kington, who is a world-class copywriter, who has done a TES Talk on how to use stories in your marketing. As well as that, we've got my own little feature, which is Alternative Rules, giving you ideas on how to take your business in different directions. And we've got the standards check- checklist, which is breaking down the standards checks, looking at the different competitors on there, as well as a whole load of other stuff that you can find by going out and checking out the instructorpodcast.com. But that's enough about me. I'm going to go over and throw over to Chris. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Chris, and a bit about the DITC. So I'm Chris Benstead, and I founded, co-founded the DITC, the Driving Instructor and Trainers Collective, which, as uh, Terry always so eloquently says, is the uh, signposting platform for the driving instructor industry. We identified um, after years of pain that there was nowhere to go to find things, that we relied on either the DVSA or we relied on the test centre wall or hearsay, um, someone else having discovered it first. So that's something we're trying to beat. And we're trying to better things for driving instructors, give opportunities, um, give support and, you know, just open some new doors that haven't yet been a, been addressed, uh, trying to tackle things that other people haven't necessarily thought of um, or decided to uh, to go near and, and share them with everybody to see what then comes from that. And, uh, you know, alongside that, I also do one-to-one theory training. So I uh, keep saying I'm not sure if I'm still a driving instructor, but I've got a green badge and I'm clinging onto it for dear life. Um, because everybody says, see, you're not teaching now. 
And uh, yes, I am. I'm working really hard and uh, it feels like I'm banging my head sometimes because the theory is a challenging thing. So between the two, they're keeping me busy. And uh, I get to come and hang out with Terry every so often and, and put the world to rights, which, you know, we I hope everyone enjoys because I, I love doing it. Your episodes are always uh, some of the most listened to, um, which is, is good. And I appreciate you joining us again today. Where can people find the, uh, the DITC, Chris? So the DITC, uh, the best place, we're, we're across Facebook, so you can find us on there. Uh, we said the industry engages heavily on Facebook, so we're definitely there. But uh, theditc.co.uk, uh, because everybody in the driving instructor world loves a set of letters um so uh check us out there uh and get in touch with me directly if you've got a question because to take how long driving instructor's been around uh you know, let, let, let's go with a hundred years um we're probably nearing that now um so if we take a hundred years worth trying to to piece all of that together and have solutions for it that are both historic and modern and, and new and up-to-date um, is going to take some time. So we we have the information. We have the, the connections. Get in touch and ask, and uh, we'll prioritise, as with Terry's um, polls on his website, you know, uh, ask us what you, you know, tell us what you want, and we'll prioritise that. So, yeah, get in touch directly. Always happy to have a chat. How much is the DITC, Chris? Apparently, it's too too little, um, but we're going to ignore Terry and not put the price up. Uh, we're going to keep it at £6 because we want it to be one of those things that's, that is affordable and, and is giving far more than, than it, it's costing. So you don't have to justify it to yourself. It, it becomes uh, you know, a, a no-brainer, as they say. I don't know if they still say that. I'm probably ageing myself with that one. What, I think what, I see it. What, what, <laughs> One of the theory questions the other day was that you're driving down a road that's well lit, and apparently that means something totally different now. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's that's what we wanted to be. So it's £6 a month. Uh, you can access by being a member and being a an ADI or a PDI who has passed their part one. Um, so part one onwards, as long as you've, you've got the part one or a badge, uh, you can qualify for student discount card as a professional learner. And because we reflect and we grow on a day by day basis, um, we are recognized um, you know, as, as being students. So you can get student discount and that that should be worth £6 a month in its own right. Plus, on top of that, we've got uh, discounts to courses, more and more of those coming through as, as we start engaging with people. So if you've got something that you know you want putting out to the industry um, and we can find a, a mutual benefit, get in touch. And uh, we, we're keen to work with everybody and uh, just find that communication hub and platform that people can, uh, can search on and, and try and find new opportunities. And if you want to find out more about the DITC, there is uh, an episode in our back catalogue where me and, and Chris do talk about that. Um, it's a little bit little bit dated now, but it's still relevant. However, um, keep your eye, eyes peeled, ears peeled, because uh, in a few weeks' time, we may have a special episode coming up with, with two wonderful people that, that would quite happily talk about the DITC. <laughs> two, wonderful, two wonderful people other than me. 
Um, let's phrase it that way. Which <laughs> um, could be quite an interesting episode. We'll find out in a few weeks' time. Um, so, yeah, that's the DITC, and that is the Instructor Podcast. And one more prompt, go and check out the instructorpodcast.com. Go and check out Premium. We're getting more people signed up to that now. There's more stuff going in there. And as a little heads up for you, there's a few more episodes left, a handful of episodes left of Season 2. And then we're going to be taking a pause till March. So it'll be two and a half months, roughly, with no instructor podcast. So to get your fix, you'll have to go over there. And just speaking about, you were mentioning acronyms before, and I will love an acronym. There is a genuine reason why I've never shot on the name of the instructor podcast a tip, because we've got Dipod, and we've got the Dib Podcast, and we've got the DITC, and the ADINGC, and the D. We've got all these. It's like, no, I'm going to be the one that stands out and use the full name. So it is the instructorpodcast.com. And you can't now because um, the DVSA have stolen tip and all, all driving instructors uh, are hating it because that is the new um, analysis for the standards check. Uh, so, yeah, you don't want to go near that. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe I'll, I'll try and copyright it. <laughs> I don't think it's copyrighted. And I'll have to find someone else. That could be the man that brought it back to where it belongs. <laughs> Oh, there's a joke in there about come to Sarah for a tip, but I'm not going to do it. Um, yeah, so that, that's the Instructor Podcast, and that is the DIT. So let's get let's return back to what we're talking about. And um, I think it's probably relevant to go back to what we're talking about sales pitches, because effectively that's what we've just done. Um, as well as introducing ourselves, we've kind of laid a sales pitch. But see, to me, this is where I think, you mentioned before about the industry not, not necessarily following suit with the way sales have gone. I. I agree. Um, and again, I've only been in this industry five or six years. I can never work out the maths for that. But either way, um, you look at, uh, and I'm going to use again, I use myself on the instructor at the podcast as, a, as an example. There is sort of an hour of content go out every single week that is free. It doesn't cost a penny. It goes out as a podcast. Um, there's a green room initially started off weekly, but it's kind of gone to fortnightly just because I can't keep up with weekly on it. Um, so there's, you know, hour to two hours of content going out every week, free of charge that people can go and listen to. There's a Facebook group that is growing and that is getting more and more content put in, including Expert Thursdays, where people are going to come in and do their own posts. There's a website that, again, is free of charge that you can go over and you can see all the recommendations. You can read the blogs, including the guest blogs that people are now sending me. Um, you can get links to all the people that come on the show over there and find out more over there. So you've got all this stuff free of charge within that every now and again i also tell you about the thing that i charge for and to me that's how you sell nowadays now i'm not an expert at it i don't profess to be an expert salesman or anything like that but what i don't do is say you can only have this stuff if you pay for x y and z it's like no you this is the stuff i'm doing because this is what i enjoy but i want to do more i'm actually going to have to 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 charge you for it and i, I think that touching on your point earlier I do think that there's a combination of instructors out there that are like, this is my, what I'm selling, blah, 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 bang, 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 rather than giving anything. But I also think there's people out there, as soon as anyone mentions sales, for example, the instructor podcast episode, when it goes out, I usually put a little bit in the middle, just says, I'm just pausing the podcast just to tell you about and then I'll usually tell you about the Instructor Podcast Premium. It's roughly 90 seconds long into usually an hour episode. I get a drop off of numbers at that point. 
because I can track one percentage of people. It's not massive, but I get people that stop listening at that point. And I think that's relevant because I think as soon as people think you're selling some of the switch off, so I think you've got those two extremes from people that go over the top in selling and people that go over the top in reacting to to the selling. How would What's your take on that? I I always refer back, and, and I think we've spoken about it before, uh, uh, Daniel Priestley's book, KPI, which is key person of interest um and it's something that i keep loosely following and i should probably follow tighter which is large you know very broadly speaking it's about standing for something and being recognized for something so that you don't have to go and this is what i'm about um you know, I, I, I've had the, the pleasure of spending some time with, with James May working uh, on the, the James May Theory app. And I say James May to people and they know who I'm talking about. Um, they know what he's about. They, they know not just it's not just, you know, the program or, or programs. It, it's about his, his, his thoughts, his beliefs and everything else. He, he's, he's the brand. And I think driving instructors do that as well that that people come to us because of what we represent and uh had that conversation with the pdi the other day all of our driving school cars have the instructor's night name down the side sorry i'm going to correct correct myself he's an adi he passed last week um and that's why we we're having the conversation because uh we now want to put his name down the side of the car and he's not keen because he doesn't want to be the persona he he's he's been there in his former life and 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 he, he wants to do do the job and we we're trying to you know to work a way that he can represent it because then you don't have to sell it and and that balance is really important which is why whatever you you however you decide to do it thinking about how you represent yourself how how you drive how you dress, um, you know, how you engage with people, not making that about right and wrong, just how you do it, is is really important because that represents and what you put out is what you will then get back. If you walk down the road looking like you're ready for a fight, don't be surprised if you get one or if somebody is scared of you and runs away. If you walk down the road with a big smile on yourself, you might get locked up, but um you know people are likely to engage uh so being the brand i think is something that we that is really important and happens a lot as in the industry but we don't like that you know that makes it commercial how many driving instructors actually think that they run a business because they all do all of them but actually they don't see it as the business it's only a few that do um and because of that you know they're the ones that often do sell some get it right some get it wrong some do it in a way that i wouldn't want to it works for them um others i i think get it absolutely right and you know they then become recognized and and they represent that and by 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 doing that you you then you you get it back tenfold so it's figuring figuring that through. So I I agree. You know, old school selling, you know, the the real Barrow Boy stuff or the the um, you know 
hit, read all about it and, and stand and shout it from the rooftops. People would rather have an engagement with you and, and have a conversation. That makes it arguably more difficult because it takes longer. You know, it's not an advert. Um, but I think you get more engagement over it and over a longer period of time as well. More loyalty too. And so another book, um, uh, which is uh, Tribes by the guy who did Purple Cow, uh, Seth Godin. I'm always really proud of myself when I remember names because I'm rubbish at them. Uh, that's two, two in a row. Um, you say Seth Godin, uh, I think it's Tribes, and um, he, he talks about sneezers. Um, so it's other people shouting for you. And in, you know that's where networking comes into it. That's what that's what you do, you know, so well with the podcast is a a platform that people can uh, do that from, and you then spread that message for other people. And if we um, were tracking the the wealth, um, you know, the 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 where where the money goes and and how it's bouncing around and how it's being magnified, I think there would be real strength from, from that being shown uh, of that, you know, the, the networking and, and working together with people. Yeah. Uh, can you make a lot of good points? I think that one of the, the, the things said there was someone made, you know, do something that's not your style, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong. It's just not for you. You know, you've got two ways to handle that. Either you can do exactly what you just said, which is, yeah, not for me. Carry on. It's fine. Oh, you can throw a little hissy fit tantrum about it. And I go back to my <laughs> example of the, the 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 Twitter thing before, where it would have been really easy for me to throw a little hissy fit, call them a snowflake, all that kind of stuff. And then they would have said the same back and blah, blah, blah. We didn't. We actually had a constructive conversation about it. Now, admittedly, that takes two people. You know, they, I could have responded, they could have responded differently. I can't control that. I can only control me. And, and I think that's what, what it boils down to. You know, even if I see someone now uh, selling that's massively in you, I mean, I get it in my inbox, Messenger all the time. You know, you get the first message, which, hi, Terry, just thought it'd be cool to connect. Okay, cool. Nice to meet you. And the next message is selling me somewhere. Well, I generally just don't reply. It, yeah. It's not the... You don't... That's because she's not real, and the WhatsApp group is really <laughs> off. I, they seem to be constant on Facebook. This is where the industry needs out of Facebook. But yeah. pretty much, yeah. But no, it's like I don't reply, and it's because that I don't have anything nice to say. Yes, and it's like I don't want to abuse anyone. So therefore, in this instance, I'm going to be quiet, and I'm going to sort of step in a slight different direction with that because some of the conversation we had recently about how different people interact on Facebook and, and so forth. And you were talking about how you like to engage. Mm. And I often am very different. And I often will just be like, yeah, do you know what, not today. And my take on that is more, I'm looking after my own brain. My brain don't need this. Uh, that person, in my opinion, is being an ass. So <laughs> therefore, I don't want to try and engage with the person that I believe is being an ass. And I also don't want to lower myself to their standards if, because I will do that. I know what I'm like. I'll only go so far before it just drops to their level. Um, whereas I think you take a bit of a different approach, which I'm not going to put words in your mouth and say, but I think it's interesting. Again, neither is right or wrong. 
it's it's how you are as a person. I think the line comes where you become insulting. And I think people take that, take insults differently as well, because I could say that I, I'm not going to try and put examples there. I'm going to rephrase that. People respond to things differently. If I, if you say something I don't like, that doesn't mean you're insulting me. It just means I disagree with what you're saying. If you call me a dickhead, you're insulting me. That That's different. And I think that people put sort of a big grey area on that as well. Yes. I had that conversation with my four-year-old um, that he suddenly decided he hated me. Um, so I, I said he's allowed to say the nasty words and things, but not aimed at someone. So he can say the hate bit, but the second he's saying you or them, then it's not appropriate. So it's okay to feel that and, and to have an emotion um, and to like it or dislike it, but don't then aim that at somebody. You know, you can object to, to how they're behaving. You can object to what they're saying. But then you don't have to magnify and reflect that back. And that's where it goes wrong because it spirals. So trying to just have that conversation about it, I, I've got better at walking away of going, do you know what? Um, and and it, it works. But um, I, I'll say this isn't working because you're reading what you what you want to hear, not what I'm writing or I'm not expressing myself well enough. So here's my phone number. Give me a buzz. How many of those people do you think that are out for the fight actually bother phoning? They all decline. The phone doesn't ring. You know, um, I wish it did. I'd love those conversations. Um, but I've, I've learned that that's a really good way to, to kind of respond, of, of going, do you know, that's fine. Um, I don't like backing down on stuff like that because I'm a bit stubborn and pig-headed and, you know. Um, but it allows me to kind of go, do you know what, if, if you want to continue that, I, I will happily do so, but I'd rather chat about it because the written word is, we know, you know, so open to interpretation. Um, and then we we don't, re- and I've I've done it so many times. I've responded to something and someone said, that's not what I said. And I've gone back and it's not even slightly what you said. Fair enough. But you're right, as you said earlier, apologising works. So, um, so yeah, I, I think that stopping it being personal, however you do that, whether you just walk away and say, okay, that's your opinion, or you, you, you respond, but you don't do so in a, in, in a magnifying and, a, and you know, loaded way, um, really, really works. Um, and if my four-year-old can do it, then you know, however many thousand driving instructors we've got left, um, they could definitely do it as well. Well, I think it's, it's a friend of the show, Bob Morton, talks about a lot about putting the finger of blame almost on yourself rather than out there. And it's like, if I put a Facebook post up, for example, and people are responding negatively to it, the first thing I do is look at the way I've written the post because what could I do differently? Not... You know, I'm the one that's put the post out there. I've provoked that one way or another. And um, in fact, it was an episode of the show that you were on. We were talking about how we were viewed by the public. And I think I put the, um, <laughs> probably a really good example, actually, because I put the post up in, in your meta group. And um, <laughs> um, 
We keep saying Facebook. We shouldn't, should we? Yes, Meta. Um, <laughs> you hear the people like um, uh, uh, what do you call miners? Minor thoughts. Um, it's like I put the post up in there. You know, me and Chris talk about what the public's opinion is of the driving industry. The first comment that came up was, "This is boring. It's been done to death." Something like that. My response was, "Thanks for your feedback." Something like that. I said, "Thanks for your feedback." Yeah. And part of that for me was, "A, I can't be bothered debating with you about it. That's fine. I appreciate you telling me. I'll have a look at my post. See if I could have worded differently." Fine, whatever. Um, your response was, oh, well, actually, if you listen to the episode, you might find we take a different view. And I thought that sums me and you up on the way we deal with it perfectly. We, we were both going, you haven't listened. Yeah. Um, so I'm not that fussed about your your actual opinion <laughs> until you have. Once you've listened, then, then come out. You know, if I haven't said something, don't have a go at me about it. Um, yeah, that's territory of my other half and, and nobody else. But um, yeah, I no, I, I agree. I, I think, and there are different ways to deal with it, and none of them are right and wrong. But facts are really good. Um, emotions and removing them is so often the first step. Um, and we do that as driving instructors, don't we? I, we sorry, we should do that as driving instructors. Um, uh, Fiona Taylor, uh, always name checker when when I say it, but she made me consciously realise that the first response to any situation is an emotional one, and and I always try to hold on to that whenever I'm dealing with a pupil, whether it's that you know um, that they've done something wrong. Air quotes don't work on podcasts but you know imagine them. Um, they actually do you know right and i'll tell you for why because people change the word when the way they pronounce a word slightly and i've only noticed it doing the podcast but if i'm doing air quotes the voice changes slightly so actually you do actually notice it when you're listening yeah but um so yeah they've done something wrong they've you know worst case scenario you you're now sat there with well, I had two punctures at one point. They took out both tyres down one side, uh, which is, you know, a disaster. Um, not showing that, not blaming them, not not being – it's really difficult when you, you – firstly, you're seeing however much money going out the window because you've got to replace the two tyres, um, plus the loss of the lesson, plus – pupil that's now melted in the in the seat next to you and it doesn't want to get back in the car so you may have lost a pupil because of confidence and and having to manage all of that you've got to get past the emotional response first um and and i think the same comes when you're reading a facebook post the same same comes when um someone attacks you and are they or are they just expressing something um you know I, yeah i i think the emotions are, are fine and, and you need to need to address them. I was talking to a colleague the other day who had um, a rotten day. He'd had a, a pupil who booked a test. There wasn't time to move it. Um, and he was then debating whether they take it or not. Um, and, and what does he do? Then he had the next pupil cancelled at late notice because of a reason that was important to her. Um, and you know, again, I, I always try to remo remove the emotion and go, all right, it, that must be important to her, but have I explained my side of things? And, and then something else happened and I stopped myself and, and 
realised that it was it wasn't about removing the emotion. It was about letting him have the emotion. So it's really important to do that as well. Give yourself the space to be angry. Give yourself the space to to be frustrated or for to feel attacked. But you don't have to magnify it and reflect it. And it's that magnification and reflection is when it it spirals and goes horribly wrong. The um, one of the things I say on my lessons a lot when I get a student, it'll tell me they're nervous. Um, I, I, sort of a long-standing joke and it, I think it helps me assess a student as well is they'll tell me they're nervous and I'll say is it because of my scary aggressive personality and it's always intriguing to hear what they say because some are almost like oh no 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 you're not scary I promise I'm like that and others will see the joke I've yet to have anyone that said yes um so I'm, I'm dreading the time they actually go actually yeah well i did have one man so i don't know if i've said this story on this show before so apologies if i have but um the one time someone sort of had a go at me for shouting and it was and it was a big lad as well and i'm, I'm it's just to sort of put it into perspective he must have been about six five at least he barely fit in my car and he's driving and he's being really kind of solemn so I pulled up, like, what's up? You seem to have, have lost your, your enthusiasm. And he says, oh, I just don't like it when people shout at me. I said, well, who showered at you? I had no inkling it would mean in me. I'm like, well, showered at you? He goes, you did before. I'm like, when? I don't shower at people. When? He went, when I nearly hit that bus. I'm like, yeah, I went move or steer or grab the wheel or something. I'm like, oh, you know. Yeah. And it was one word that I said loudly to register, don't hit the bus. And... um yeah, we spoke about it afterwards. No, so he pulled up and we discussed it instantly. He never mentioned it. We just drove on and he sulked for half an hour because I'd shouted, move. Or I can't remember what word I said. Yeah. But yeah, and that was a reaction on my part. It wasn't even sort of premeditated, but that amused me. I don't think he, I don't think I handled that real because I did actually laugh at him when he said it to me. So it didn't go down well. But either way. But yeah, I mean, you, you were kind of, we mentioned almost sales a little bit there as well and, and, and how we are in the car and stuff. You, you think about it, that's that's what we're doing to the students, you know, not just paying for a lesson or getting people in, but on a, on a lesson, when do you want your next lesson? We're selling that lesson to them. You know, even if it's booked in regular, it might be, okay, how are you paying next week? How are you paying this week? Do you want to pay for a block of 10 hours? You know, shall we start thinking about doing you a motorway lesson as an extra lesson? I know you're test ready, but do you think another couple of lessons would help you? You know, all this stuff, it's what we're doing as instructors in the car to students all the time. And I don't think we always realise we're doing it, which is it's quite telling. But the question I want to ask you, because uh, the, the phrase you used initially was discovering the industry. Mm-hmm. One of your PDI's uh, passes or someone new comes to you and, and says, Chris, how do I discover the industry? Apart from saying go to somewhere that's like gives you signposts to the industry, what what would you say? I it, No, a really good question. Uh, and it's something that I've been trying to work through at the moment. I'm trying to create a kind of 30-step program, if you like, or, a, you know, a, Think, things to do because it, it's on lots of different levels so uh, I've had the conversation this this week with um, a, a PDI and a newly qualified ADI and it's things like are you doing what is going to benefit you to then motivate you to give you the benefits uh, so the one that I always go to is signing up 
with um, you know the likes of marmalade or the people where you can give your pupils a benefit that you actually benefit from yourself. Um, are you you know are you a member of an association or do you know what that means and what comes with it? Do you know who's out there? So I I I think it's the the issue. It's so vast. What's important to me isn't necessarily going to be important to you. And there's so many things that you get drowned in it. And the conversation we had this week was that people can very easily feel that the trainer is holding back, that they're not giving them enough. And actually, we know it's because we're going to drown you otherwise. So we're going to drip feed. We're going to control that information. But if you've got a question, ask us. We're happy to answer it. So, you know, if if we bombard you with everything, we know you're going to drown. We know that there's too much. And also, you it's not important today. It will be important next week. So for me, the starting point of discovering the industry is in the lesson that you're teaching. I love the standards check form. I think it's great. I think it's misunderstood um, and overcomplicated. We don't need to know how they diagnose it. We need to know what the diagnosis is. And that diagnosis is based on having goals, knowing who's responsible for what, and delivering a good, engaging and accurate lesson. Pretty much it. So start with that. Then look at what do I need to make it a good, engaging and accurate lesson. Do I need more training? If so, there's more training out there. Ask. Find someone or somewhere that you can ask and and, and do that. Um, do I need um, you know, a, a lesson planner, um, some, something with diagrams on, or my preference, a whiteboard and some pens? Um, and, you know, when you then come across the thing you haven't got, you can get it. You know, you, you come across a pupil who now learns differently to everyone else, that they want the tangible. So, you know, you, you can go out and, and get um, Fiona Taylor does an awesome product with printed off um, roads and little cars that you can use on there. And and you can get a fire engine, which is great. Um, and, and you can make it, do it in that way. You've then got that resource for the next pupil. You might have someone come along. One of our guys had someone come along who um, had no no hand, so the arm ended at the wrist. Um, so he went and got the the very simple adaptation uh, for for the car for for that individual, and he's now got that for when the next one comes along potentially. You don't need to do it all at once. Drip feeding is fine. So focus on your lesson and make the lesson as good as you can. Then. You're managing that pupil. So that brings you into diaries because you need to. It brings you into finances because you need to. Start the finance stuff early. Have a really good system in place. Speak to instructors about what they do and find what works for you. And allow it to drip feed because otherwise it's too much. Um, um, that's the problem with the industry is it's too much. Yeah, big wide world. Uh, a couple of things on that. Uh, firstly, I'm going to put this video out in Patreon just so people can see the, um, the expression on your face when you spoke about a fire engine. Never seen anyone as happy. 
Um, I drive one. I, I bought my my car from lockdown. My car, my teaching car went back, and I got a Ford uh, Ford Focus Estate that was, you know, courtesy of, of the fire brigade. So it's bright red, and is now referred to as the fire engine. Um, and I never wanted to be a fireman when I was younger because I'm not stupid. I've got massive respect for them, but running into burning buildings <laughs> is not my thing. Um, but being able to drive around in what I think is a fire engine, that's cool. Uh, you also mentioned the chap with no hand. Now, I used to work at McDonald's and I had an occasion where a chap came in uh, with, I think it was no no left arm, if I remember correctly. And um, when I handed over his tray, unintentionally, I'll give you a free guess is what I said to him. Do you need a hand with that? And he just looked at me and he went, it's all right. He, he must have seen my expression just drop and he went, it's all right. I <laughs> just took it off. <laughs> yes. I, I, I used to used to work, uh, uh, I did voluntary stuff with a, a blind school, a school school for the blind. The school wasn't blind. Um, and uh, I remember walking along chatting with, with the guy, getting on really well. And then he walked into a wall. Um, you know, I was there to look after him. But I forgot he was blind. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and he, he just jumped himself up. He went, it happens all the time. Uh, so, so yes, I've been there. Um, the other thing I want to mention, because you, or my take on that, I suppose, is also to to get an idea of where you want to go, to get an idea of your end point. So, if you're coming into the industry, or even if you're in the industry now, or you've been in twenty years, and now you're deciding to go and explore, get yourself a bit of a destination. And this is something you'll let me talk about a lot. That it doesn't have to be PDI, ADI franchise it doesn't have to be that way you don't have to run a driving school franchise again just to clarify and i'm speaking to someone now that does that's not a bad thing that's not a criticism of anyone that does that it's just i think that as an industry we kind of that's a well-trodden path we see that as the only thing to do and it isn't there's all these other options so take a bit of time to work out where you actually want to go in the industry. And even if you want to stay in the industry, but work out where you want to go and get like a final destination. Then from there, you can step back and start thinking, well, what do I need to do first then um, to, to get this? And it might be like you said, getting your accounts or your finances in order. It might be that you want to work on your social media. It might be that you just want to get some personal development going. It might be that you think, okay, I don't think I'm strong enough on lessons. I need to get this bread and butter sorted first. And I think whatever it is, you, you can then break that down more. And I forget where I've heard this. It's a, it's a common thing, but sort of the 70, 20, 10 principle. You know, you put 70% of your time into the, the thing you're dedicating more. So then 20 and then then 10. And you can almost use that planning going forward, you know. And I think that if, if you get an idea of where you're going, you're going to find it easier to get there. And I think that just by putting those those steps or them in place rather than not knowing what you want and just trying different stuff. Having said that, if you don't know where you want to go, then go try everything. Just pick randomly one thing at a time and, and start exploring stuff. All of that's fine if you can find the opportunities to choose from. And I and I think that it brings us full circle in a way to to knowing what's out there and discovering that. Uh, you know, so, and we're, we're just not good at it. You get handed your green badge, get told to go forth and multiply, and and that's it. You know, it's like, what do I do now? There's massive opportunities out there, but you don't have to take them all on at once. So find find what excites you. Find other people that are excited by the same stuff, 
and talk to them. And then you'll figure it out. But I agree wholeheartedly. Um, I think the only caveat, the only sort of thing I'd say on that is that's what we're told, not just our industry, but I think that's, you know, people. You know, you, you do A, so then you've got to do B, C, and D and work your way through this. And I think that as people, we just kind of follow that and we're scared to scared to step away from that. Well, why do you have to do anything that's already out there? Why can't you be the person that does something new? Now, I know it's getting hard and hard to create new things because there's that much already out there. But why can't you do new things? The DITC, as an example, there are associations. Now, I know the DIT isn't an association. I'm not saying that, but there are associations out there. And I'm confident that I could go to the ADINJC, for example, and say, look, I need to find someone that does X, Y, and Z. And they could help me find them. So in that sense, do we need the DITC? Well, yeah, I think we do, because you've come on and said, this is what we're doing. This is what we're specialising. We're going to go and promote these, not necessarily promote, but talk about these people and let people know that this stuff is available. So you've done something different. It's not a complete 360, complete turn away from everything else, but it's a, it's a different tangent. You know, I, again, the other example, this podcast, when I released this, there was two out already, regular recurring podcasts I'm referring to. Mm-hmm. There was two already, but I, I believe this is different. And then when I started doing this, it's like, I don't just have to do the podcast. What else can I do? Right, okay, cool. Well, let's get this group going. I want to do a Facebook group, but I don't want it to be like the other Facebook groups. I want this to be one that I'm going to do so I get these guest speakers in and where I can have the, like I started doing the um, the Car Boot Monday and come in and advertise in there. And that is just an advertising post. And the weekend wins, where every week I'm going to put that post up and say, this is what I want you to tell us about what you've achieved because no one celebrates the wins. And I've got other stuff planned for that going forward. So it's not going to be the, the groups that are just people come and ask questions. It's a group that's run. That's not dismissive of any other group. That's how I'm making this different. Then I'm like, okay, cool. Well, I can get an Instructor Podcast website as well. How's that going to be different, right? Well, there's going to be recommendations on there, which I'm sure is elsewhere, but I'm going to highlight my episodes. No one else does that. You know, I can get blogs there, which I know is done, you know, but it's looking at things I can do different. Again, the Patreon, who else charges a subscription free for audio stuff for, for driving instructors? You know, so it's... Don't be afraid to go and just do something different. And you know what? It might fall on its ass. So what? You have great fun. You have more fun failing sometimes than you do actually succeeding. And I think that that's where I've got a lot of time for for people like yourself and other guests I've had on the show. But people like, um, uh, it's, uh, you know, Mick Knowles, for example, who does the DidPod. Uh, no, DiPod. DiPod is it? Yes. Did, the Did Podcast. Acronyms. Acronyms. The Driving Instructor Development Podcast. Um, it's I, like, I, swear, I swear Driving Instructor Alphabet has more letters in it than anybody else. It feels like it sometimes. <laughs> but, yeah, he went out there and did that, even though the, the dipod is already out there. You know, you could you know look at that. I've almost followed him in that respect. But I believe, and I could be wrong with this, I believe I was the first podcast that was consistent for learners. Not the first podcast for anything learner-wise, because there was limited series, but it was the first ongoing series that was consistent. And and that does really well. That's for any instructors listening, that's a five-minute theory. Go check it out, send it to your learners. But don't be afraid just to go and try something different. I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen, really? Yeah. Not much. You'll learn from it, whatever happens. And do you know what? The worst thing, and I think this puts people off, 
it might be bloody successful. And yeah. we're so often scared off by success. What the hell am I going to do if that goes right? I'm already struggling to keep all my plates spinning. Uh, if that goes right, that's going to be massive. How scary is that? That's awesome as well. So, Do you struggle with that? A personal question, but do you struggle with that? Well, um, I, I don't think I think far enough ahead. <laughs> if, if I'm honest, because um, I think that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I, I think we all do. I, I think there's that thing. I, I have my NLP background. A big thing of the NLP, neurolinguistic programming, is um, a child approaching them with a childlike sense of, of well, let's go and find out what that's about. Um, and I do that really naturally, um, and and I like to do that. And I remember one one guy who uh Stuart used to work for red uh can't think of his name but he um he said well you're not a finisher completer then that was a knife to the heart for a long time it took me a long time to get round that and then um I was working with with Ian Brett Moore and I realized Do you know what no I'm not but I've got someone who is and that's how I I went okay then I can I can make use of that so I can go out and do the fun stuff and and he can do the other the other bits and you know at the moment it's a case of rebalancing everything because we've got lots of stuff where you know I'm, I'm quite happy to do the hard gritty I'm quite happy to do the hard work but what I enjoy is the discovery that that's a lovely thing about the job whether it be on the road or or with the theory my attention spans for an hour or two hours or an hour and a half, or yeah, whatever. But I can then go, and then I'll move on to the next. Um, I'm much better with a TV series than I am a film, because um, I can go away and come back. But if I want to, I can do more. And and then I can explore it and see where it goes, and I don't feel I need to know what's happening at the end of it. I get very upset when my favourite character dies. And, you know, because it's ended, and, and I can't explore it. Whereas if I decide to give up on them and walk away, that's that's fine. So you know, I I yeah, I don't think I plan for, forward enough to worry about success. Um, I've discovered it in lots of lots of things, um, and I've struggled with it when I've got there um, because I I don't like I don't like it being about me. I like it being about the thing that I've done, the thing that I've achieved. I want to be able to stand back and, and look at it um, and and have, have conquered something. Um, and, yeah, I, I I think, you know, if I can help other people do that, that's great. But I, I don't necessarily want to be front and centre. I'm See? much more happy to put, people, other, put other people there and enjoy their success. I think I'm the opposite to you. I think that... My brain, I have to rein in all the time. It, it's it's jumping like three years ahead and getting excited about the thing I can't do yet, which then makes me frustrated that I can't do it yet, which then makes me not want to do what I'm doing now. It's that 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 vicious circle, and also the kind of the being the front and centre thing. Uh, that would never have been my thing, but I'm getting more like that. It's not that I want to be. Not like I want to show off. I want to draw attention to myself. It's just that. I'm, I had, I, what is, how can I phrase, I can't remember who said it, 
actually, but someone said it to me once. They said, you're just a really nice guy. And they said that to her, I'm like, do you know what I am? And I think that's probably my biggest selling point. And that's how I get my students. The students come to me because I'm just a nice guy. They don't come to me because I think I'm the world's best instructor. I mean, I hope they think that afterwards. But they come to me because he looks like a nice guy. I'm going to him. I think that's why I get on well on these podcasts with people generally, because I'm, I sound like I'm blowing my own trumpet, but that's how other people describe me. And that's how I describe myself. I'm just a nice guy. I'm not particularly exceptional or anything, but I'm just a nice guy. Guy. And I think it works. And I think that by using that and using that of me and putting that out there, I think that works in my favor a lot. You know, it's it's selling me as a person rather than selling the business, if you like. Um, but I also just want to touch back on what we were saying before about knowing where to go for for your business or your ADI or whatever. Yeah. I'm gonna say a word here that polarizes people, and I'm just gonna say the word coach. Because that's where a coach is perfect. You know, if, you, if, if you've if you either just become or you're thinking you want to do something different or whatever, that's where you, that's where a coach is perfect, to sit down with someone. I'm not on about a driving coach. I'm on about an actual coach that mm-hmm. could be like a, a mindset coach or whatever you want to call them, but someone that can actually speak to you and get you to work that out for yourself, not just tell you. And I think that is where you could do an awful lot worse than, than finding someone like, um, I'm going to say people that are in the business now, but someone like a Robin Bates or like a Shabnam Raja or, or, or someone like that, or even Ray Seagrave, who is in the business, who's I think it looks very recently transitioned a little bit to a mindset coach, um, to actually sit down with them and invest, not in them, but in yourself. Yeah. You're paying them, but that's investing in you. I've I've had, I've noticed an increase in the number of people that I've spoken to that have used the word mentor. Um, I've had to apologize because I haven't figured out how to do that yet. Um, I, you know, I, I don't think I know myself and my journey well enough. Um, you know, I don't think I'm there. So being able to, you know, people look at things and say, you know, can you mentor me in this? I, I'm not sure I've got the skill set, the whole skill set for that. And, and, you know, I, I'm always happy to support, but I think there's a big difference. Um, so I think that coach or mentor is such an important thing. And I, I've got a number. Um, some of them don't know that they are. They're just the people that I, I go to for questions. Um, and I've, I've said to you that you're you're someone that is is top of my Rotodex um, to, to, to ask questions of. Because I like your feedback. I don't agree all the time. Like, the nice bloke thing um but i don't agree all the time but i i value it and i I value more people that i disagree with often because it challenges what i what i think um but i yeah find find people and they don't have to be paid for but i tell you what the people that you pay to help you are the ones that are most vested in doing so and will be justifying opinion and you need that um so yeah yeah find find those and it doesn't have to be you know cold hard cash sometimes you can find ways of of, you know of bartering of exchanging uh skill sets um and you know the the, uh neil uh cartwright who does our uh, ditc website um you know i've got a lot of time that i can 
every similar to yourself actually before we have a meeting we have we have a you know a catch-up session because we know we've got to get that out the way and we've we've got to put the world to rights and we we both benefit hugely from from when we're doing that um and then we we talk about the tech tech side of things and and he and he he brings in his skill set um and it's it's you know finding those opportunities to to just do it um and again to do that you've got to find the 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 right doors and you've got to put yourself in a position where you can so go out and talk to people go and sit in people's cars um and you you will discover them. they're out there they're waiting for you to to find them you've just got to be open to it i think one last thing on that um I personally i i will probably say that i would be a better mentor than i would a coach expert teacher that side of it i think that comes a little bit more natural to me um and i think part of that comes from that's what i work better with i work better with a mentor than anyone else and you don't like you say you don't have to pay people there's ways around this so just as kind of a, a last tip for anyone if you like is back when i was I'm going to say back when I had no money, I've got no money now, but back when I really had no money and I couldn't afford to invest in myself, what I would do is I'll pinpoint certain people and I think, right, what would X do? Uh, a chap called Matt Whitmore, he does a podcast called Fitter Food. He's just really hard working, real digit, really nice bloke, oddly enough. Uh, and I used to think, what would Matt do in this situation? And right, I'd work out what I'd do and then I'd do that. That's a form of, being mentored without actually that person knowing it so you find someone that you think i want to be like that person or you know or i respect that person or whatever and it doesn't have to be the same person or everything it could be that you want to follow someone else's work work ethic you want to go down that road or, or whatever it might be so but you want to be a healthy like person a and the work ethic of person b right well what would person a do in this situation what person b do it and then you do that and i think that's um a really good cheap way to get started, essentially. Yes, Mod- modeling, which is something we we teach pupils. Identify what a good driver is before you start. Makes life so much easier. Which so. do you find is the most fun question, though? What makes a good driver? Or what makes a bad driver? Depends whether you're trying to get away from the police or whether <laughs> you're trying to take the kids to school. Um, the 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 second being where you have to drive faster and more aggressively. Oh, fair enough. Um, well, actually, go on. I'm going to do one more before we disappear. Uh, the, a few years ago, uh, pulled up at side of the road, lad gets in car. And as we pulled up, the guy pulls up, like, facing me. So he's parked on the right, and he's about half a metre away from my car. And I said to the lad, I think I must have been having a bad day, and I said to the lad, look, whatever you do, just don't fucking do what this knobhead does in future. That's what you call a bad driver. Just seriously, he's parked there. It can see you're a learner. It's part don't right, and he's just made it ridiculously hard for you now. He's just a bit of a tip. And he looked at me, and I went, "It's your dad in it." And he went, <laughs> "Yeah." Right, right. So there you go. Is there anything else you'd like to touch on all today, Chris? Before we disappear, uh, one, one last thing um, uh, that while we are um, you know busy busy chatting, uh, there are driving instructors around the country that are. Um, taking part in what I'm referring to as a giant Etch-a-Sketch. <laughs> um, the, the big learner relay uh, has suffered due to COVID. Uh, you know, getting lots of instructors in one place is, is not necessarily a good thing at the moment. So the decision was made to really scale back 
Um, I think also we're aware of the financial burden. Um, uh, people don't see it as a burden, but you know it, it's there, um, and the pressure that it puts on on people. And the this year it has been a, a totally different thing on a on a, a very different approach, which is to have uh, an app um, which tracks the the people that are doing legs, uh, which is drawing a picture. Uh, across the country uh, i'm not going to say what it is go and have a look um so blr.mydrivetime.co.uk because my drive time put the app together and hosted it um and they've done a cracking job i, I it, it was better than i thought it was going to be when we were talking about things uh, you can donate via there so big learner relay for those that haven't come across it i'm on the committee and this is the first year that we haven't had a song um since year two uh, so if you want a laugh um i'll i'll send you the the link and you can put it in there so people can find it easily and laugh at my expense but um yeah uh me not being able to sing it's okay when it's for charity um for uh children in need raising money I, I believe I'm right in saying it's over half a million that's been raised across the the, the journey of the Big Learner Relay, um, started by Louise Walsh, and she is uh, you know uh, an absolute powerhouse behind it and keeps it going, um, supported by lots of others uh, on many different levels and many different um, you know, requirements that are needed when you're doing something on a national scale, um, and and this year I say it's been subdued but. Uh, it's been really special watching it today appearing across the map um, and we'll definitely be seeing whether we can get a, a kind of a uh, you know a, uh, what do you call it where you film it over time um, and, it, and it appears like stop uh, motion yeah that kind of a, you know video made so people can, can sit and watch it and not have had to spend 12 hours doing so um, but you can donate via that site um, it, you know anything is appreciated and uh, goes goes to children in children in need and uh, there's instructors who've been giving up their time to go and go and create their little bit of the etcher sketch uh, and if you're listening and thinking that you can't donate because it's now after the fact you're incorrect and you can donate after the fact so that's not an excuse if you're not donating because you've no money that's completely fine but not because it's after the fact. But yeah, excellent work. I've, I've enjoyed watching that a little bit today. Um, I've not seen it recently, so I'm not sure if it's quite completed as we speak. But uh, but yeah, it's, it's it's been good seeing it develop and that money go up as well. Uh, if I if I hit refresh, I'll uh, I'll see just where about it is. But it was I was really excited when it when it said four three two one. Um, on, on, the, on the numbers uh, so I, I quickly did a, a screenshot um, we have 95 of the 102 legs completed there's three people out there little coloured uh, arrows on, on the map that are, are, are moving around um, and the, the picture is 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 taking shape um, if you zoom in um, is my recommendation. It, it looks it looks better once you get a little bit closer. Um, but I'm hoping people can figure out exactly what it is. Uh, total raised so far uh, £5,411 um, through the uh, through the donations. And uh, I'm, I'm sure that's going to go up um, as people see what's happened. And I think it's going to be a little bit retrospective here, which is interesting because people will see it after it's happened. 
rather than being part of it during it happening or the build up to it. Um, and it's been a, fu- a strange one. I, I, you know, I, I think we we're all um, reflective uh, as life is at the moment uh, when you find time amongst the work and and the pressures. Um, and I'm yeah, you know, I'm looking forward to what come what comes next and, and what the the bringing the tech in is going you know that we've almost been forced to, to a bit like using Zoom um, and and changing the way that people work in lots of roles bringing the tech in to see what we're going to be doing in the future um, engaging in that way is going to be really interesting but more than anything it is another thing that has brought uh, the industry together really has united um, it, it was a game changer to steal one of your phrases um, uh, which I I don't think anyone else would have done so massive respect to you know friend and colleague Louise Walsh um, and everybody that's helped her through that because uh, yeah it, there's PDIs that come in and think it's something that we've always done um, driving instructors talking wasn't a thing when I came into the industry uh, so you know actually working together and and you know driving around in in unison is is a massive thing so uh, it's it's done it's done a lot of good and I hope it continues to do a lot more Awesome. Uh, long may continue. Uh, and that's a, a lovely note to finish on. So I'm uh, going to say thank you for joining us today, Chris. Very much appreciated. I'm not going to give you a chance to plug anything because we did it about 20 minutes into the show. Into the show uh, and we will leave it there. Uh, yeah, appreciate you joining us again. Been a pleasure. Thank you. The Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook. Talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them.